0: Barnes, hit it high! It's a game! We got one of the good ones out of the way arm and i did the al east yesterday grading off seasons now peter and i have to suck it up and do the american league central which kind of stinks like there is what there are two teams here that i think are going to get good grades and everybody else it's like what the hell were you doing jack peter just baseball show for tuesday february 7th are you full-blown like in super bowl mode right now what are the props
1: yeah, we just did a prop episode um, on Not Gambling Advice, where Colby and I, we went through quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, first time, or first touchdown score, anytime touchdown score. That episode is currently live on the show, Not Gambling Advice, of course, which will then break into MLB coverage every single day. Um, but yeah, I'm in Super Bowl mode, but my number one priority is over always baseball I'm a baseball first guy it's my first love it's my passion football is a fun thing to do in the offseason we've been doing very well in it but nothing is better than baseball and to that point while the Super Bowl is fun I do like grading these off seasons just a little bit more I'm a freak you're a freak this is just baseball show welcome to it
0: yeah um so I see like coin toss stuff on some on some books what's an octopus I don't know It says, will there be an octopus? Yes, plus 1,400. No, minus 5,000. I don't know what an octopus is. Couldn't tell you Uh, either. Can you bet on like, um, you can bet on like Gatorade usually in Anthem time.
1: Yeah, and there's been some line movement. Gatorade. A lot of sharp bets are on green slash yellow. Who gives a shit? (laughs) I'm sorry. And did you hear the the hoopla about the National Anthem? I guess. Who's doing um, it? The line is set. Yeah, it's Chris Stapleton. Okay. The line is set at two minutes and three seconds. That's a long. I minute. guess every country singer has gone under this except for one. And it was the male country singer. Chris Stapleton, again, is a male country singer. So a lot of people are looking towards the over on the national anthem. But Dude. I mean, what are we supposed to do? The people that have these interests, I, get a get a read a book, get a better hobby. I don't. Yeah, know. but that's what people are going to say when we're grading the Kansas City Royals off and I'm going to be on over half runs and RBIs for Martin Maldonado in the playoffs, which is going to smack. So if you make fun of them, you got to make fun of me and you got to make fun of yourself a little bit. I make fun of you all the time. And you know, not only do I not take myself seriously,
0: I actually view myself as like a D, D minus grade human. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get to like a B minus and end goals, the B minus by like age 65, 70. I'd give you an A plus, my friend. Thanks, Chief. All right, let's jump into the Cleveland Guardians here. Um, Cleveland actually had a really solid offseason IMO. I will attach a letter grade to it here in a moment, but they're big moves. They add Josh Bell in free agency, two-year $33 million deal. They add Mike Zanino on a one-year six million dollar deal. Then the rest of it is just kind of filling out the organizational depth. So you add Tuki Toussaint and Roman Quinn as minor league free agents. You do trade from a surplus in Nolan Jones. He goes to Colorado. And of course, Mike Zanino replacing Austin Hedges, who you lost in free agency. They didn't do much because nothing really departed. Hedges, while a good defensive catcher, hit what, 110, 150, 160? He was the worst hitter in baseball. Um, So you, you part ways with him and you sign a guy who is, slightly worse defensively, but gives you exponentially more potential offensively. And Zanino likely to be a backup for Bo Naylor here. And then Josh Bell, you do add some slug in the middle of the order here before I attach a grade to it. I loved what they did because they didn't have to do
1: much. And they did the two things that they needed to do. So I agree and disagree. Um, I agree with the premise that they didn't have to do much because of what they have on their current roster. But what I see is a fourth starter of Aaron Savali and a fifth starter of Zach Pleasak. I wish they could have added a decent arm. Um, while they do have, and you know, you're gonna rattle off the guys that they have in the minor leagues that are currently coming up, and you know, they have some guys in the back end of the bullpen who have made starts before, most notably a guy like Eli Morgan. But I have a feeling Eli Morgan is going to be making most of his appearances out of the bullpen, maybe as an opener because he was so much better as a bullpen arm than a starter. So yes, were the moves they made good for the team? Yes, that's why it's not a C. But in my opinion, I gave them a straight B. I give the Guardians a B for this offseason. And the reason being is I do wish they did more, but it's not a C, it's not a D. But when you look at the moves in a vacuum, Josh Bell is an upgrade, good signing there. And yes, Austin Hedges is one of the worst qualified hitters in Major League Baseball over the last few seasons, maybe the worst qualified hitter. But it's hard to quantify what he does defensively. I mean, you can quantify it through framing metrics, looking at his pop time, all that kind of stuff. But we've spoken now to multiple Guardians pitchers, and they rave about Austin Hedges. We talked with Ryan LaVarnway, who's been a catcher for 10-plus years, tons of time in the minor leagues. Talk to us about how valuable Austin Hedges is, kind of similar to why the Astros won't move off Martin Maldonado. So I don't see that as this huge upgrade because of how bad hedges has been offensively. I view it as a above average offseason, but not a great offseason. Okay. Um, I actually do view it as a really
0: good offseason. I'm going to go higher than B. Um, And the only reason I'm going to go higher than B is because you cite the back end of that rotation. And to that, I say they may have nine or 10 guys that are triple A caliber that could be taking starts from Plisak and Savali. I don't want Plisak and Savali making starts. And I don't know which of these, like two of these nine guys are going to click, but here are guys that can make starts for the Cleveland Guardians in 2023 and early. I'd argue the first month or two of the season. Xavier Curry, who we've already seen make his major league debut. Joey Cantillo, when healthy, when he's on the field, he's great. Hunter Gaddis, who really struggled when he did get up to the major league level, but he got up to the major league level. Connor Pilkington got up to the major league level. Tuki Toussaint is going to give it a go in Columbus. We'll see what happens. We know that he's a really talented arm. Is he entirely over the hill? Obviously, they have the quantity of starting pitching depth to negate Tuki Toussaint if need be. Logan Allen is one of their top pitching prospects. Peyton Battenfield is pitchability out the ass. Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams have the chance to start guns blazing in AAA and get up quick. And then Tanner Burns is a guy that I love, mid-90s pitchability. And then you've got more guys in double. Espino is going to be healthy to start this year. Doug Nikasey, Tommy Mace, Mason Hickman, former Vandy guy. There are so many starting pitchers here that you can give a shot. I was thinking, like, okay, probably best that they didn't go sign a four to a two-year deal. If you were going to go get anybody, I honestly think a one-year deal would have made some sense, like a Matt Boyd or a Zach Greinke. Um, I'm I'm happy they didn't do anything pitching-wise instead of commit to a two-, three-year deal for a guy that might be taking starts away from some of
1: these young, more exciting arms. I get that. I totally do. And I also don't want to completely disrespect Sac and Savali, because I'm not saying that they are trash. I'm not saying that they are bad pitchers. It's just... We are now at a spot with the Guardians where I'm holding them to a higher standard, and they deserve to be held to a higher standard after winning the AL Central last year, going toe-to-toe with the New York Yankees. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone would have beaten the Astros, but the Guardians would have given them their all. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays, so they should be held to that level of standard and having Plisak and Savali making these starts, while they do have the prospects down there in AAA who could end up making an impact. You don't rely on them. You just listed all of them, and there's only a few names that I truly would take over Please, seconds of volley next year. And if you have all of this depth, we talk about the Guardians have one of the best farm systems. There's only five spots in the rotation. So you named all those guys. Why couldn't they package a couple of them, maybe with an offensive Pete's, to go get a legit starter yeah. to pair behind Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill? Why couldn't they have done that? That's what would have raised this offseason to me instead of just addressing a couple of needs when they didn't do enough to, in my opinion, compete with the Yankees or the Astros or a team like the Blue Jays.
0: Okay, but what are the starting pitching options right now? Like, name me a starting pitcher that is available trade-wise.
1: Well, Pablo Lopez was available. You know, I'm sure you could... I don't know. Starting I mean, pitchers become available at the trade deadline.
0: The best arms on bad teams, they become available at the trade deadline. It's a lot harder to move for a starting pitcher with no urgency in January and February than it is when teams are willing to blow shit up in July. Um, I, I think that Cleveland is going to be active this June and July. And I think that they're going we to We always do say
1: that, though. Saying. We always say that, though. So and
0: they never are. Yeah, like I wish Sean Murphy was on this team. But I'm happy that Bo Naylor is going to get at bats like it's they're running a race that they're accustomed to. And this is the same exact conversation I had with Arm about Tampa yesterday, um, where, you know, if I were to grade this Tampa offseason relative to other Tampa off seasons, because they're at like, a, they're running a different race than the rest of Major League Baseball, because they're so low budget, they're not going to commit to anybody off the roster except for Zach Eflin. Like it was probably an A off season for Tampa, but you lower it to a C plus because when you got to compare it to the Blue Jays and Yankees, Tampa didn't do shit. Um, Cleveland, when you compare it to the rest of the league. I I still think they did a good job filling their holes. I think this was an A-plus offseason for the race that Cleveland runs, but because you have to compare it to the rest of the league, I give them an A-minus. They had one glaring issue. They didn't hit homers. They got two guys that can hit
1: homers. Feel good about it. I think that's fair. Um, I just think if we are comparing it to the rest of the league, getting Mike Zunino and Josh Bell, can't constitute anything in the A range, and I wouldn't even constitute it a B That's why I think they got better, and maybe we have a different grading system as well. Like, in my opinion, they got better. They didn't make big splashes. They filled some holes, but they weren't flashy. They didn't gamble anything, so I'm giving them a B. It was a perfectly good offseason. You're pretty Randy Jackson, or you're pretty Simon Cowell.
0: I'm pretty Randy Jackson. There we go. There we go. That's fair. American References.
1: Welcome to the Just Baseball Show.
0: Boom. Uh, The White Sox. They add Andrew Benintendi to the largest deal in White Sox history, five years, $75 million. They sign Mike Clevenger, where shit has hit the fan. Is anyone surprised? One year, $12 million. This guy sucks as a person. He's sucked for a long time, and this should be the nail in the coffin. I don't want to see him throw an inning for the Chicago White Sox. We'll see what happens because my understanding is it's a guaranteed deal. For Clevenger so I don't want to see that piece of shit throw but it, I it sounds like he's gonna throw if he's allowed to by Major League Baseball um they added Victor Reyes as a minor league free agent Victor Reyes while on a minor league free agent deal is currently slotted on the bench on opening day for the White Sox they add Nick Avila in the Rule 5 draft they sign Keenan Middleton Billy Hamilton Jake Marisnick and free agency they lose Their franchise, Cornerstone, Jose Abreu, Johnny Cueto, Josh Harrison,
1: Elvis Andrews, and A.J. Pollock, and free agency, D. Just a reminder for anyone new listening to the Just Baseball Show, my good friend Jack McMullen is a White Sox fan. So if he comes across anything, you know it's coming from a good place in his heart, or maybe now a dark place in his heart because he's upset. And it's understandably so. I'm a bit more optimistic on this offseason because I don't blame the White Sox for Mike Clevenger, what he did after he got signed. They didn't know. No team knew. He did and it now before he got out. signed. But did they know? Did any team they know? They said
0: they didn't know. My thing is, why wouldn't you do a better
1: vetting process on a guy you're about to give $12 million to? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I guess when I went into it, I wasn't blaming them fully. It's still a black eye, but I it didn't go into my grading as much, and I'm not going to change that. What they added was actually fine, I thought. It's what they subtracted, which really hurts their grade for me. You listed those five guys, and those five guys were big-time contributors last year. To talk about a guy like Elvis Andrews, who was a great deal for them, was one of the better shortstops in Major League Baseball by war. He really was. Um, Johnny Cueto turned in a fantastic season. So while they might not be the biggest names, contributors for them last season that are now not on the team will certainly hurt them. I gave them a C minus. I understand if you want to blame them for the Clevenger thing, putting that in the D-range, I I'm not faulting you for it, but I didn't do that. So that's why I'm giving them a C minus.
0: So Olivia Feinstead is the woman who is accusing Clevenger of this. According to Alden Gonzalez at ESPN, she has been in touch with Major League Baseball investigators since last summer when Clevenger was a member of the San Diego Padres organization. She's in touch with MLB investigators last summer. I think the White Sox, if they did appropriate digging, they would find out what's going on with their $12 million man. All right, you sold me, D. <laughs> D. D. Uh, idiotic that you don't check up on a guy that got in trouble during the height of COVID in your city. Zach Plesac and Mike and Mike Clevenger, they went out in Chicago during the 2020 season. You're not supposed to do that. They were teammates with Carlos Carrasco, who was literally a cancer patient a couple of years before then. He's a piece of shit. If you want to read anything about this, go read it. Um, I can't believe that they didn't do their homework here. Now back to baseball. Benintendi is a good pickup. I like Andrew Benintendi in that outfield. It takes at-bats away from Gavin Sheets. Good thing. Thumbs up, White Sox. But we've seen very limited impact, right? This is a guy that is going to slug a couple points higher than he hits. Might be a 300 hitter, but he's going to slug 370. He's not going to be a 400 slug guy again. Um, it's not magically coming back. He's not the guy that won the Golden Spikes at Arkansas. Um, is he a $75 million player in this past offseason's market? Yeah, probably. Um, but I don't think like this contract, you're going to say, wow, this was really worth $75 million because he's going to be a table setter, a two hitter behind Tim Anderson, who's leading off. Um, yeah, I, I think that a lot more fell off of this roster than what they added back, and they're relying on guys to take a step up, where if we've learned anything about the White Sox over the last two, three years, A, they can't stay healthy, and B, you can't rely on anybody really stepping up because you're going to get Jekyll and Hyde seasons from Johan Moncada and Jekyll and Hyde seasons from Yasmani Grandel. You're right, D. D? Yeah, you yeah. told me. Both these <laughs> twins, they re-signed Carlos Correa after he agreed to, what, $350 million with San Francisco and then $310 million with the Mets, six years, $200 million with Minnesota. They signed Christian Vasquez in free agency, three years, $30 million. They signed Joey Gallo to a one-year, $11 million deal. They acquire Kyle Farmer and Michael A. Taylor in trades, with the Reds and the Royals, respectively. And the big one, they acquire Pablo Lopez, Jose Salas, and Byron Chorio for Luisa Rice. I like what the Twins did. They didn't necessarily need a rise, especially if they are assuming that you get a healthy Kirilov to play first base. You got Polanco at second. You bring Correa back. Correa's the shortstop. Jose Miranda can play third base now. I like that they went and got a catcher because Jeffers wasn't working out. Gary Sanchez wasn't working out. So you go and get Christian Vasquez, who I don't really think is a 10 million AAV guy, but you know what? He's a starting catcher in Major League Baseball, and he can still hit a bit, and he can command a staff. Um, I like the give it a go deal for Gallo, right? It's a one-year deal. It's not going to hurt your luxury tax number that much, especially because the Twins are going to sail under it. Um, $11 million is, is a good audition number for a guy that could hit 35 bombs if if the stars align and he gets adequate plate appearances. And then Farmer and Michael A. Taylor are good just depth adds, and you get another guy, another three in Lopez, to be able to plug into the top of the rotation. For Minnesota, considering where they were last year,
1: I'll give them an A- again. I thought you broke it down perfectly. I don't even really have much to add, other than I thought every single one of their moves was a great move. They needed to add to the rotation. What did they do? Got Pablo Lopez. What did they have a surplus of? Infielders. What did they do? Trade Luis Rize, and they also got two prospects out of the deal when a lot of people thought the swap was going to be the fair trade. They won that deal. The Gallo deal? Gamble. And it could be a great one. Could be a bad one, then whatever. He doesn't play for you. Maybe play some DH. Maybe doesn't. Not much of a hit to uh, the salary. Um, Christian Vasquez is a starter in this league. And he's better than Gary Sanchez. So there's an upgrade there. They just made upgrades everywhere and addressed basically everything. The one thing that, does, that keeps me off an A-plus is they didn't really add to the bullpen. But they have a fine bullpen. I just wish yeah. they added a big time guy. And they still have cha- they still have time. Remember, a guy like Andrew Chafin is still out there. Like there are still guys to be signed. I'd like to see the Twins make one more splash in the bullpen. But even if they don't, I'm giving this offseason an A. I thought it was one of the best off seasons in Major League Baseball.
0: So Duran is going to be the closer, methinks um jorge lopez will be a setup guy those can honestly be like dueling closers great and then after that it's griffin jacks caleb Thielbar, emilio pagan jorge alcala yeah i would like one more middle reliever i think chafin yeah. would make a lot of sense here especially with lopez and duran being right-handed and with griffin jacks being right-handed um but yeah i i, I hear you on a um I just say A-minus because I may not be as sold on Christian Vasquez as an everyday catcher as you are. Okay. Um, now, if they didn't re-sign Correa,
1: I'd be looking at like a C+. I'd be looking at it in the B-range if they didn't sign Correa, but look at what the market was. They just saved $135 million. I mean, there's incentives there that could push them up to two seventy five. million. And I know, like, the twin. If I'm the twins, I want him to hit every single incentive, correct? Because that means he stayed on the field. And if he stays on the field, he's well worth 275 million. We talked at the beginning of this offseason that Correa should be a 300 million plus guy, he's one of the best shortstops in Major League Baseball. And you got him for 135 million dollars less than what the Giants offered him, 115 million dollars less than what the Mets offered him. They had an amazing offseason. I thought they killed it. Really excited for this front office. They've been just slowly building and building. Now, are they going to win the division? I still think the Guardians are, but I think this is the year they overtake the White Sox and ultimately finish second in this division and end up being a decent contender.
0: Uh, Just because they don't really have the top end pitching talent of the White Sox, I do think that the White Sox finish second because I think the lineups are very comparable, Um, but I do hear what you're saying. So as of right now, I gave the Guardians an A-, minus. Peter gave them a B. Um, we both gave the White Sox Ds. I gave the Twins an A-, minus. Peter gave the Twins an A. Now we jump to the two duds. The Royals added Jordan Lyles and free agency, two-year, $17 million deal. They add Zach Granke back, one-year, $8.5 million. Ryan Yarbrough, one-year, $3 million. They add a Raldis Chapman to that bullpen, one-year, $3.75 million. They trade Michael A. Taylor for pitching prospects to Minnesota. They trade Adalberto Mondesi to Boston for left-hander Josh Taylor. And then they sign Johan Camargo, Ryan Goins, Matt Beatty, Matt Duffy as minor league free agents. It's just a nothing burger. Like, what? they have no pitching, so what do they do? They go sign Jordan Lyles, Ryan Yarbrough, and Zach Granke. That doesn't scream wins, does it?
1: So when I was looking at this, I immediately thought, C, and then what's going to move me up or down? I didn't like the Mondesi trade at all. No, Josh Taylor? Like a middle relief? What are you doing? Couldn't you have gotten more? Maybe you couldn't have gotten more. And I'm looking at it and saying, well, Mondesi's talent deserves more. Yeah, maybe no other team would give them, so that's the best deal they could have gotten. But his production
0: doesn't deserve more. His production deserves less to this point
1: uh maybe i guess but there's talent in there i feel like they could have gotten something better than josh taylor maybe a minor leaguer with some potential there kind of a swap for swap of potentials i just wish they got something a little bit better so i moved it down to a c minus um i thought it was clearly a below average offseason but it's not a d because i like them bringing back grinky I like them bringing back some veterans in order to teach the young guns because their development in Kansas City has been dreadful in terms of turning young young pitchers into good starting pitchers. So maybe bringing in, like, pitching coaches in a way helps. So that's why I was like, oh, maybe a C plus, but I didn't like the Modesty deal, and then nothing else jumped out at me. So I'm going with C-.
0: So there were a couple other names that I would like enjoy watching more than Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarborough two-year deal for Jordan Lyles. Why couldn't you give Corey Kluber a two-year deal? He got one year 10 with Boston. Why couldn't you give Johnny Cueto a two-year deal? He got one year with the Marlins. Like these are such sad names. What
1: about Michael Wacco? Who's still available?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, there's just nothing here that screams, oh, wow, we got Jordan Lyles. And then Ryan Yarbrough is a lefty that throws 86. I'd rather have Quintana. Obviously, Steve Cohen really wanted Quintana. So Steve Cohen went and got Quintana. But even a guy like Manaya, right? Two year deal with San Francisco. Uh, Manaya screamed San Francisco giant. But you know what? Like if the Royals made a competitive offer on a two year deal, he would immediately be the second best arm in that rotation behind Brady Singer. So there were a lot of other. C, C plus guys I would have gone with over Jordan Lyles, and there were a lot of D plus guys I would have gone with over Ryan Yarborough. So I give him a D plus just because they were boring moves, and I don't even think they were the right boring moves.
1: Yeah, you can give him a D plus. I wouldn't even care. I, it wasn't a good offseason. I think that's that's the end of it. Uh, they could have gotten Rush Tripling, a guy who I'm high on. They could have gotten a lot of different guys, and they went with weird options like I think personally, I'm in a role as Chapman hater. Finally, he's gone. Good luck with him. I mean, he can't keep his velo anymore. And that's what makes him so special, dude. So, so he's not gonna throw the ninth inning for the Royals. I don't think. Whatever he does, like whatever innings he gives you, I don't think they're they're gonna be even worth four million dollars. Like, so, I'm not, it's a it's a it's a it's a low gamble, I guess, because it's like whatever you have four million dollars for a lever. I shouldn't be looking at it that harshly. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to be very good. I would not have signed him. So
0: So this week at JustBaseball.com, I'm going to be writing the 10 most must-watch guys in Major League Baseball. Love that. A lot of it is good. A lot of it's like, hey, you know, Julio Rodriguez is going to be on that list because everything he does is so good and it's so must-watch. Like Trout and Otani are going to be on that list. O'Neill Cruz is going to be on that list. Because while you have everything great that he does, you also have the crappy stuff that you can't take your eyes off of, like the throw that goes five rows up in the seats at Wrigley. Like, that's hilarious. Araldis Chapman, when the Royals are 20 games back in August and he's throwing down three in the seventh inning, that might be must-watch. Because this guy has just been ninth inning, one-run lead for his entire career. And now we're watching a shell of Araldis Chapman throw a meaningless inning in a meaningless game. It's going to be kind of hilarious, and I might have to tune into that.
1: Yeah, fuck that. I ain't watching any of that shit. No Dude, way. No way. Cool. Let's, no, it's let's fun. talk about an actual watchable product like the Detroit Tigers.
0: So I let me just say, I went to IUPUI Wisconsin Green Bay this past Saturday. Okay. They're, I think, two of the five worst teams in college basketball by like the net rankings in Ken Palm. It was so much fun. So that's how I feel about watching Aroldis Chapman in the seventh. Um, all right. I gave him a D plus. Peter gave him a C minus. Now we'll talk about the Tigers. The Tigers add Matt Boyd in free agency to a one-year $10 million deal. They add Michael Lorenzen to a one-year $8.5 million deal. Big trade. They acquire Nick Maton, Donnie Sands, and Matt Veerling. For Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens, um, Soto and Clemens went to Philly. They traded cash considerations for Tyler Nevin. They add Mason Englert in the Rule 5 draft. They add Cesar Hernandez as a minor league free agent. They claim catchers Mario Feliciano and Michael Papirski off waivers. They lose Jamer Candelario, Tucker Barnhart, and Andrew Chafin to free agency. A, a lot of very non notable stuff going on here, but. I'm very impressed with the return they got for Gregory Soto and Cody Clements because you've got, albeit a good one and an all-star, but an incredibly volatile arm at an incredibly volatile position in the bullpen and a power-hitting second baseman that you weren't sold on being a contributor for you at the big league level in Cody Clements. You package those two and flip them for three guys that are going to get 400 plate appearances for you.
1: That was really impressive. I agree. I was going to say the same thing. Like I kind of like that that move, but what ruins the offseason is, I think they're losing guys who are contributors for them. If you talk about Candelario, talk about Barnhart, talk about Chafin, uh, I I there's a part of me that likes all three of those guys in specific roles, and and they're going to lose all three of those. Um, But like you said, I like the Gregory Soto trade, and the only reason he's an all-star is because the Tigers haven't had any all-star-worthy players that every team needs at all-star. So that's like the joke. It's like um, I remember on Tiger's social media, they're like, you know, we got to thank the two-time all-star Gregory Soto. I'm like, come on. He never would have been an all-star on any other team. Like, that's his claim to fame. When you realize he doesn't strike out guys at the rate that you think he would throwing 100 miles an hour. He walks the world. Like, the Phillies are getting a guy who might be used as a lefty specialist. Like, maybe not much else. Because they got Alvarado. They got good bullpen guys. So, while the Phillies could do it, like, I'm not saying that the Phillies got fleeced here or anything. um, You know, they are in win now mode and Maton Veerling, they're not going to help them win now. So they could afford to do it, but it was an overpay, in my opinion, for Gregory Soto. So that's, I guess, what bumped it up from a D to a C minus as well. I gave both the Royals and the Tigers C minuses uh, because the Royals did more but the tigers did better for the moves that they made. So I gave them the same. I, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. Lorenzen, Lorenzen stuff looked jumpy in may in Anaheim. I will say that. Like I was, you know, watching a Lorenzen start in April and May, I'm like, hey, you know, Michael Lorenzen might be back. I remember you talking
1: about that. You're like, yeah. Lorenzen's kind of nasty, and he was <laughs> there for a little bit,
0: but then he sucked again. Yeah, that boy started
1: playing outfield and like,
0: right, C- <laughs> queue up Homecoming by by Kanye and Chris Martin. Right, like he's he's all the way back with the yeah. Detroit Tigers. Um, I like the addition of Angler Arm, and I have talked about that. We've also talked about it on the call up. Engler, it's a guy that is going to be contributing to their bullpen. My biggest question is the catching situation without Barnhart now because you've got Eric Haas that's, that's going to run out there as the opening day catcher. Um, I'm still holding out some hope on Dylan Dingler, who is an uber-athletic catching prospect for them that struggled mightily in A when he got up there, but he was excellent to start the year in high A. You think you put 21. too much pressure on him
1: because you've what? been all over Dylan Dingler now since he got drafted, and he probably listened to the podcast and was like, I got to show out for a guy, Jack dingler is, it your fault?
0: is dingler is a level of public figure where he cannot feel pressure from a
1: podcast host i don't know you put a lot of pressure on guys
0: i put a lot of pressure on hyun il Choi, a 21 year old right hander in the in the dodgers organization that threw like he i think he threw 75 pitches in a start that he made against fort wayne in high a in 21 and it was like he threw 68 strikes in 75 it was insane it was the craziest thing i've ever seen and i'm and like how did you do last year Uh, I think he was hurt the entire year.
1: I'm not blaming you, but... You're kind of blaming me, and I'm blaming myself. I'm just putting the puzzle pieces where they may. Hyun Il Choi has my face on a
0: dartboard in every home that he lives
1: in. I'm just saying, don't underrate your influence on some of these guys. Yeah.
0: Dingler, if you want to put my face on a
1: dartboard, I'm fine with that. If that gets you up to the show and gets you a 900 OPS. I agree. Because it's not like you're a hater. You're just putting too much pressure on them to perform right now. Yeah, it's chance. it's tough love. It's tough love. It's Thank a you. lot of tough love. Um,
0: I'm still holding out hope for Dingler. I do like the two waiver pickups, and this is so, oh my God, Jack, get a hobby, but Feliciano and Papirski. Papirski had a couple of auditions in the major league level, right? It was San Francisco, and then it was Cincinnati. He was originally an Astros guy. Um I like Papirski, Big body kind of fits that prototypical build of the modern catcher that you're looking for. He's just never hit enough to stay. Uh, And then Feliciano is a guy that can hit. He was a notable prospect for the Brewers even last year. So I think that they have good stopgaps hoping that Dingler pans out. This isn't a good farm system. So I don't know what the one-year deal helps with. I was hoping that they were going to go get a starting pitcher on a multi-year deal, especially with Mize out. And I have no idea what's going on with Tarek Skubel. Um, what would you give him? C minus? C minus. Yeah, like I'll give him a C. <laughs> I thought
1: it was just fine. Yeah. I, I, I was looking at the D range and looking, well, I like the Gregory Soto trade, so I'm going to give them a C minus. Some different from the Royals where I thought they made a lot of moves, so I pushed them to a C, but I didn't love all the moves, so they're down to a C minus, and that's where the Tigers and the Royals meet right in the 71% range of an offseason. Good job. You okay. are a baseball team. Congrats. There we go. Um, I just
0: watched Banshees of Sharon, which was nominated for Best Picture. I just watched it on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Highly
1: recommend if you're in on some sweet Irish accents. And if you're not, go check out the Call Up podcast with Aram doing prospect stuff all the time. And, of course, Jack tends to hop on. If you're in need of some Super Bowl bets or just want to hear the gentleman talk some football, head over to Not Gambling Advice. The Super Bowl Props episode is live, and the Super Bowl game picks will be available on Wednesday. Check out Show & Go podcast with our guy Jack McMullen, as well as former big leaguer, actually current big leaguer, He's he's still playing around, Taylor Davis. And we have a new fantasy baseball podcast called Just Fantasy Baseball. If you remember our guy, Colby, he's our analytics guru. Him and Clay Snowden, who's our Reds writer and, and fantasy baseball lover, they have a fantasy baseball podcast, and they will be hopping on hours to give fantasy baseball rankings, but they're diving into everything heavily. So go check out that show. And, of course, all content will be available on Just Baseball. World baseball classic coming fantasy baseball, college baseball, and all of our top 10s are coming here on the just baseball show. If you have been enjoying our podcast and want to support, make sure to get yourself some just baseball merch in the episode description. We have hats, we have sweatshirts, we have athletic tees, we have the whole nine. But if you don't want to spend a dime, we completely understand. If you would be so kind to rate and review this podcast five stars, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it helps our show a ton. And if you're on Apple, make sure to write a review. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast or any tips that you have, any ideas, send them our way. And with that, thank you, everybody.